Today, the church keeps the uh, memorial of the beheading of St. John the Baptist, a saint who's particularly relevant for my field. Uh, any of you who've done one of my courses know that teaching moral theology, I start every class by invoking the intercession of St. John the Baptist. Because St. John the Baptist died for the moral law. As one of the great hymns to him says, as witness to the law of God, this mighty martyr died. Now to be a martyr means to die as a witness, a witness to Christ. And that includes a witness to the goodness of the life that Christ proposes. We see this in the New Covenant, but we see it also in the Old Testament, that again and again in the Old Testament, the Psalms, the prophets describe how the the wicked lie in wait for the righteous, that the way of the righteous is a reproach to the wicked. So the wicked seek to kill them. Now let's pause for a moment and consider who our enemies are, who those who will persecute us are. Because I think Herod, um, who the memorial for today's feast, uh, the gospel text, uh, describes to us, is a good model in this regard. That Herod had St. John the Baptist arrested. But the text tells us Herod was perplexed that he somehow liked to listen to uh, John the Baptist. He had John the Baptist speak to him. And yet he was perplexed rather than convinced when he heard him and had him in prison. Now, one of the lessons from this, it seems to me, is that even our enemies, even those who will persecute us, are those who are confused, conflicted, and that we need to seek to to reach out to them. And in your parish work, you will find many of those who will become your greatest allies are those who at some stage were perplexed, shall we say, like Herod. Now for ourselves, the upshot of today's memorial of St. John the Baptist's beheading, because this is the feast when we remember his beheading, is that we need to be ready to die for Christ and die for all that is a part of following Christ. When I was young, I can remember it was fashionable. I heard many sermons that said, well, we in our country, we won't be martyrs, but the martyrs give us a good uh, inspiration. Well, now at our moment in history, I think such a statement seems much less certain. It's increasingly easy to envisage an angry mob of people angry with some part of the Catholic truth it's teaching that you have proposed. Maybe your refusal to use the right pronoun for some trans activists. And I think it's very likely that one of us in this chapel will die a martyr's death. You may be attacked by those outside the church. You may also be attacked by those inside the church. 
We think of how Cardinal Pell spent a couple of years in prison on false charges drummed up against him. And why were those false charges drummed up against him? Well, the evidence seems pretty clear that there were those within the church that were seeking to bring him down for him exposing the financial corruption. There are others who suffer for seeking to expose moral, sexual corruption. And others too, just for not being willing to compromise within the church. To bring this to a focus, there are three things that cannot be separated. Christ, the truth, and the way of life that he offers us. That when I speak to somebody and I fudge the teaching about how to live, I'm fudging what Christ means. I'm separating Christ from reality. He said he is the way, the truth, and the life. He put these things together. When I separate him somehow from the way of life, I'm, I'm separating him from himself. So to conclude, for ourselves, being priests, training to be priests, if we would be his priests, if we would be his apostles, then we must grasp how the truth, the authentic way of living in Christ are just inseparable. And if I'm in seminary because I wish to live for him, then I must also be willing to dive.